Florida State's done a really good job in the defensive back room recruiting wise. Though you look at KJ Bolden too, you know, not sure if he's going to end up picking Florida State, but recruitment wise, they are right there, top two, top three. I think just the way that they've been able to build a relationship there, and it is a need for safety. They need that talent, mm-hmm. but uh, they did a great. They've done a great job with him, and that commitment is on August fifth, which we'll be covering really heavily as well. But um, yeah, Charles Lester, that many times at Tallahassee, Florida State, the relationships that he has with the staff family extremely close with Mike Norvell sorry Barstool Sports I don't think it's happening hey guys it's Terrence Nan you're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day Go Dose hey what's up this is Peter Ward aka P-Dub in the house so we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day Go Live Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. We are just a little over a week from Florida State and Mike Norvell hitting the practice fields and beginning their 2023 season campaign with fall camp coming very soon. We're excited for it. We just had ACC kickoff. Austin, who will be joining the show here in just a few minutes once he finds some Wi-Fi at the hotel and Charlotte will be giving us a good rundown of what he heard during the kickoff with interviews from Mike Norvell, Jared Burst, Jordan Travis, and Kalen Deloach. We've got a Charles Lester commitment watch, which will be happening on Friday. Dustin and I will be in attendance for that. We'll be giving our commitment prediction on that and later on in the show. We're going to talk some weight changes. We had some uh, guys going up in weight, guys losing weight. So we'll be giving our thoughts on that. Florida State brought in a linebacker transfer before this 2023 season kicks off. Last little, last little addition there. And then at the very end, we're going to be jumping into a fall camp preview strictly on the offense. So this is a loaded podcast after taking a break last week. Now, it's full train ahead, Dustin. No more breaks until hopefully, hopefully we're going to go through a fun January. We'll see how far Florida State can go. But with me this evening, Dustin Lewis, our editor in chief at NoGamey.com. D. Lou, how we doing? Doing good. But I mean, man, it really, uh, really has snuck up on us, hasn't it? It's really just starting to feel like uh, football time, and I swear it's just come a lot faster than I was expecting. And then now, like you said, eight days away from. Florida State kicking off fall camp, starting to get ready for that week one matchup against LSU and Orlando, which, you know, could potentially be a top 10 matchup in the country on that opening weekend. So a lot of excitement in the air. And like you said, Florida State was probably one of the stars of the show today during this uh, ACC kickoff. Yeah, they were. All of the media was giving them a ton of love. I was listening to Mark Rick 
say that he's one of his favorite players to watch and cover right now in college football. And mm-hmm. I think that's a variety of a lot of other analysts across the country, definitely covering the ACC, just the way that Jordan Travis is able to provide excitement during college football games. But yeah, a whole ton of love and national love and well-deserved. I mean, when you're putting Jared Verse there for the ACC kickoff, I love the selection there. I mean, he's straight entertainment. And we, we got to have him on our show before he even arrived at Florida State. And we just knew the kind of attitude, uh, the confidence that he was bringing. Uh, and, you know, look at him now. Now he's leading and, and being a big-time leader for Florida State going into this 2023 season. So we'll have VZ here join us here in a few minutes uh, to kind of give us a rundown. In the meantime, we'll jump through some weight changes. But before we get going on the evening, as always, you can listen to this podha- podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, we've got a lot of viewers coming in tonight. Hit that like button before you leave or while you're watching. We would definitely appreciate it. It allows a lot more FSU fans to jump on here. Tons and tons and tons of coverage is coming your way from all of our platforms on socials. So make sure you're connected there. And YouTube's going to be a big one for us this 2023 season. So keep a close eye on that. But let's start jumping into things. We don't have a ton of time to waste, Dustin. This is going to be a longer one than usual. Let's jump into some notable weight changes. Dustin, you put out a piece yesterday, and I was tweeting a few things here and there, specifically on Florida State's defensive end room. Uh, And you got roasted for it. Yeah, I did from the Gator Twitter. They found me. And honestly, no. I mean, that Twitter account, I don't even give them attention. So I'm now – I don't get I don't get in the drama anymore. I stay out of it. Got bigger fish to fry. Uh, but yeah, one thing that uh, kind of stood out to me was Florida State's defensive end room, man. And now Jared Verse going up to 260, yeah. and he looks really good too. Um, you know, he was playing with some good weight during the spring, but having him add on some pounds like that, we already know his athleticism that he brings. We'll see if that affects him any. Any bid, Dustin, whenever you're over there next week on, on Thursday. But uh, what, what stood out to you outside of maybe this defensive end room or maybe Jared Verse? Well, first off, I mean, got a note on Verse because now he's up to 12 pounds heavier than what he was listed at going into the 2022 season and has put on some serious size. And, you know, Austin can talk about it in a second. But seeing him at Charlotte today, the ACC kickoff, I mean, that that doesn't look like a guy who weighs 260 pounds. And I, I feel like that added weight not only is going to help him as a, as a pass rusher, but going to help him continue to improve as a run stopper as well. So that's going to be huge um, for verse. And then just moving on from there, Darrell Jackson up into the uh, 330 pounds, one of four players on the roster. You saw Fentrell Cypress and uh, AZ Thomas both add some weight now going into fall camp. And Cypress in particular was someone that Norvell gushed about today at the ACC kickoff and mentioned that, you know, he's one, he was coming into Florida state. He's already one of the premier players in the ACC, but they think he's going to take it to another level in Tallahassee, which I think says something because we already knew the type of player that Pintrell Cypress was when Florida state got him out of the transfer portal. And also, I mean, for a true freshman, you look over at a guy like DeMarco Ward who got into Florida state early, went through spring practice and had some flashes. He's gone from two seventeen up to uh 227 pounds in that linebacker room. So we're seeing some guys add some size going into fall camp. And, Logan, you can lead into it, but we can talk about some guys that have dropped a little bit of weight as well. Yeah, speaking of guys dropping some weight, I know when I put that tweet out regarding the defensive ends, one of those 
big question marks was about Pat Payton because he was one of the players the last couple of years, at least in the offseason, of a guy that wanted to add some weight going into the season. And he actually trimmed down a little bit. He 243 to 239, not not anything to be, oh, my God, it's, yeah. it's atrocious. The season's over for Pat Payton. Let's just call it quits. He's now – DE3. Uh, you know, I, I think there was, and you look at Pat Payne too at practice, he's he's got a huge base, huge base. Um, and really he's got crazy long arms, man. You know, I think you could have shut off a little bit, honestly, and his athleticism. I know he wants to get to the backfield more and get to the quarterback. So maybe this helps him. Maybe that's what Coach Storms had him on this plan this offseason for, but I don't think it's anything to, you know, freak out about. I know FSU Twitter was tweaking out a little bit, but uh, we'll see, you know, we'll give our thoughts on it whenever you guys get to fall camp on if that affects him much, but I don't think Dustin, it's anything to uh, like, you know, be freaking right for a four pound fluctuation. You know, I'm not really worried about that could be water. That's weight. one meal. That's one water. Yeah. Right and I mean, there. we know how much uh, summer conditioning that these guys are doing. We're doing uh, leading up to uh, fall camp. So, I mean, those weights kind of fluctuate. A little bit, but one way that definitely is not fluctuating. You look over at offensive lineman Jalen Early, who entered the offseason at 338 pounds. He's down to 299 pounds now. So, I mean, you know, in about eight months or so, he's dropped nearly 40 pounds. And I need to get in contact with him and figure out what he's doing. That's probably most likely what that is. <laughs> That's definitely uh, what it is. I'm looking at, too, Fabian Lovett going from 328 down to 318. I think that's a significant loss of 10 mm-hmm. pounds right there. Wasn't expecting that. That's going to be good for him getting into shape, coming off that injury from last year. Obviously, he wants to put a, a good, healthy season on tape before he makes that leap to the professional level. And then right alongside him, Braden Fisk dropped a couple pounds as well. Obviously missed uh, the spring for Florida State recovering from a shoulder injury. But, I mean, those two seem to be in prime shape going into their final seasons of collegiate eligibility. And you've got to be really excited about not only those two guys at the top, but also what Florida State has sprinkled throughout that interior defensive line. There's a question here in the chat regarding Marquise and Douglas. We were actually talking about Biscuit in the production meeting, Dustin, him putting on some extra pounds. Almost up to, what, 280? 285, I believe. That's a that's a big boy. That's what you call a biscuit. I guess he's really holding on to his nickname there. But uh, he's one that we talked to this last, um, what was it, spring camp a little bit. But we talked to him throughout the season last year, too. And he worked a ton on his body trimming down mm-hmm. and leaner. So I'm interested to see if that's kind of lean muscle that he put on. But, you know, he's going to be a pivotal factor in that tight end room. I know Jaheim Bell. Kyle Morlock, you know, those guys are getting a lot of attention because they're transfers and they're newcomers and the new cars are in, in Tallahassee. But with Marquise and Douglas, Jordan Travis likes going to him quite a bit and he relies on, on Douglas and he was, he was pretty reliable too with his hands. So I'm interested to see what this weight change looks like, if it's healthy or not. Came on strong there a little bit for Florida state uh, back in 2022. Going to see how this changes things from a little bit. I think, you know, when you're looking at him getting up to 285 pounds, we can talk about it more in the offensive preview, but this really defines his role as that inline blocker for Florida state and being in that jumbo package down there on the goal line and things like that. He's going to be that blocking tight end. Whereas you have your guys like Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock who are going to be more of your 
uh, receiving threat. So Florida State, you know, just kind of defining those roles a little bit in the tight end room. Another one, too, I wanted to mention in the defensive end room that you wanted to see Gate or Wayne Wade B. Gain is Byron Turner. <laughs> Wayne Jr. Gate. Wayne B. Gate. Uh, Wayne B. Gate is what Byron Turner did this offseason going up to 244. That was weight that was much needed for him. Um, we saw flashes during bowl game prep near the latter half, really, of the season, last couple of weeks uh, of 2022. But Byron Turner, 237 to 244, that's good weight. I like him putting on some pounds, too. He, that's needed. It's crazy that by I, I would have never thought this one, though, Dustin, where Byron Turner weighs more than Pat Payton. I, I was not expecting that at all going into 2023. That is that is definitely a little bit of a surprise, especially after seeing uh, Turner Jr. during spring camp. So, yeah, definitely interested to see the extra mass that he's added. And same thing for some of the offensive linemen as well, especially some of those veterans. You look at Demetri Emanuel, Darius Washington, Robert Scott. They've all really solidified themselves now into that 300-pound club. And uh, jumping over to the other side of the ball in the uh, defensive backfield, I'm interested to see how this one works out for Florida State. Shaheem Brown going from 217 to 205, so dropping 12 pounds now going into fall camp. Interested to see how that uh, makes a difference in his game. He's a little bit up and down during the spring, but, I mean, you're really seeing those flashes of a guy who could grow into a potential star at Florida State. And then the same thing for a guy like Jerrion Jones, who's already sub 200 pounds, going from 198 to 191 you got to wonder is he in elite shape right now or is he a little bit too small so i mean we're going to see those guys in a little bit over a week and see how things go oh yeah and renardo green down to 186 i think you're muted he's still going i think you're muted i am muted I'm looking at all the – I'm dealing with our Discord right now. They're, they're already ready for us to drop the Charles Lester commitments. But give, give us a few minutes or we're going to drop that uh, here in a few. But my last thing here that I wanted to mention for some of the younger guys that, you know, we continue to monitor, uh, Kanaya Charlton and also Quishon Sapp, them not really trimming off anything. Actually, Kanaya gaining a few pounds. Uh, Sapp – losing one pound. I think that's something that I think Florida state was one to work with them on, at least with coach storms. Mm. I mean, it's always going to be evaluated at fall camp and how they work around with their body, but I was expecting them to, to lose a little bit more before camp begun begins. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's always different, you know, it's a case by case basis. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, you had Jalen early who was in that same offensive line class lose 39 pounds during that time. And then also on the flip side, you look at Daughtry Richardson uh, from that same 2022 class as well for Florida State. He's up to 316 pounds, whereas he entered the offseason at 285. So, I mean, he's put on 31 pounds. So you are seeing some guys make some serious strides, and I really think that does show that it's really a player-by-player basis. VZ, we got you in the car. No Wi-Fi, no ACC Wi-Fi. They don't provide that at the Charlotte Hotel. Uh, the hotel we were at for the, the after party, I guess we'll say. No, they didn't have Wi-Fi, so we, uh, we had to take a detour. I wonder what the ACC after par- party entails. Like, what, what does that look like? Uh, some good food, free drinks. You would have enjoyed that. Ooh. Uh, ro- a, a rooftop bar at that. It was a wow. great view, and now I'm sitting down in my car at a park. So uh, Damn. you're welcome. Dang. You, you, you took a drink for me, though? No. Okay. 
had a feeling. Had a well, feeling. you got to get you out of here so you can go back and enjoy <laughs> yeah. those uh, complimentary beverages. Listen, I'm trying to get back to those sliders. Those are great. Okay. We'll, we'll get you back there. We'll get you back there. We need to jump into some ACC kickoff stuff anyways. Uh, Florida State, like I said earlier, they brought – their big guys with them. Kalen Deloach, which I thought was a great pick, a guy that's been around the program for a very long time now and has turned into a star for Florida State's defense and Adam Fuller, representing the Seminoles today along with Jared Verse, Jordan Travis, um, and then, of course, Mike Norvell, having quite uh, a lot of questions, man. I, I swear he had the most interviews out of anybody along with Jordan Travis but, you know, what were some things that stood out to you, VZ, as you were there all throughout the morning and throughout the afternoon? Well, I didn't realize this. This was Jordan Travis's third ACC kickoff appearance, which they said was mm-hmm. an ACC record. So congrats <laughs> to Jordan Travis on that, I guess. Yep. Um, but there's a very consistent message from, from Norvell to Travis to Verse to, to Loach, and that's growth and consistency, getting better, improving, not just individually, but as a team, playing more as a team play more together, swarming the ball on defense instead of being an athlete trying to make a play. Travis trying to be more of a leader and just being more consistent game to game. You know, they talked about how disappointing some of those losses were last year. Uh, Travis went specifically into the NC State game about how, how upset he was for throwing that pick to end the game. He's like, you know, if we just change a thing here and change a thing there, if we're more consistent play to play, snap to snap, game to game, we feel like we could be a really good football team. And that was that was the consistent message from the very beginning. I can't tell you how many times I heard the word growth today out of Norvell's mouth, which, you know, he's consistent in what he does when he's talking. We've talked about culture so much at Florida State. Uh, I thought you really saw it today during these moments with uh, these players talking to the media. I mean, Jordan Travis, Kalen Deloach, Jared Verse, in their own way, they're all – it, it feels like whenever they're speaking to the media, they're all extensions of uh, Mike Norvell and just kind of exuberating the messages that they've learned from him over time. You know, you're at, you heard Kalen talking about LSU in week one and saying, we just got to focus on us and go out there and just focus on our plan. Uh, same thing with Jordan Travis, you know, taking it one step at a time. I feel like from all those guys, and I mean, Jared Verse does it in his own, maybe a little bit more of a cockier way. But still, all three of those guys are really sending the same message that Florida State is really going to just focus on themselves, not worry about the opponent, and go week by week. And we saw that same mantra last season as they ended that 2022 year on a six-game winning streak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of confidence inside the locker room right now, and it's, it's been built up for a while. And I thought this quote from Jordan Travis talking about the culture change was unique because he's been there from the very beginning watching this grow but he said it starts in the locker room comes down to the players we've got guys that are stepping up and speaking out that's a huge one we've talked about accountability and that needed to grow inside of this Florida State locker room for a while in order for them to get back on into the winning column on Saturdays he said we've just got a lot of guys that are leading that's it so it seems like there's a wide range of leaders everywhere and there's not little small groups here and there that used to be around the program that really cluttered this team from improving these guys now like being around one another. They hang out with each other outside of football. Uh, They're spending a whole ton of time with one another along with NIL going on too. And I think that plays Mm -hmm. a big part with a lot of guys supporting one another, going through these different efforts of, you know, putting some money into their own pocket, but there's not a lot of selfishness with this team at all. And I think Jared verse was talking about it too. You know, it, you know, I, I could have, 
gone. You know, he could have gone to the league, could have been drafted. He would have been in a training camp right now, but he decided to come back. And, you know, he mentioned Fabian Lovett, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, you know, those guys playing a pivotal factor for him coming back uh, in 2023 to make a run. And going back to talking about the leadership on the team, one thing that really impressed me is, of course, you know, you look to Jordan Travis and Kellen DeLoge, guys that have been here for going on their fourth or fifth seasons with the program. Same thing with Jared Burris, a guy who developed into a defensive star. You would expect them to take those leadership roles. Uh, Mike Norvell was talking about it at one point during the day. And a guy that he brought up who's already stepping up as a leader is Casey Roddick, the offensive lineman transfer from Colorado. He was a team captain um, at one point with the Buffaloes. I mean, a guy who has been in that leadership role before, but he just got to FSU in late December and early January, has only been through a spring with the team so far. Uh, I think it says a lot when Florida State's bringing in these guys who want to take leadership roles out of the gate, guys that were transfers. And, I mean, coming into a program that they just got to, but they already have the confidence and feel the belief from their coaches and their teammates to take that step and already begin acting as leaders. And Casey Roddick, obviously someone that we expect to play a big role on FSU's offensive line this upcoming season. But the thing is, he's not even guaranteed to start. You know, there's so much depth on that offensive line, and that's something Norville talked about today too, is just how much depth there is on the team now. And that's only going to – there's going to be so much competition between the guys, and that's only going to bring more success and more work out of each other. You know, there, there's a strong sense of, you know, last season was great, but we need to build on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think – you know, just listening to Magnervell to talk about expectations, that was something that was massive throughout this ACC kickoff. And they haven't had this, they haven't had this pressure on them yet as a program. And these players, you know, this roster, nothing like it. And now it's all on their shoulders and it literally begins week one against LSU. Uh, you know, we've heard Jaden Daniels, we've been covering it the last couple of podcasts and having some great quotes, excited for LSU playing against Florida State. And I think, the same way it goes for when Jordan Travis talks about this upcoming matchup, saying that, you know, they've got to worry about themselves. If they keep on worrying about LSU, what they've got over there, the talent, that's just going to kind of boggle up what they need to do game plan wise. And we saw what Florida State was able to do in week one of 2022 against LSU and find success and then have some hiccups there at the end. But Florida State staying focused on themselves is something that I think Minervell has preached very heavily throughout this entire off season specifically, but you know, throughout the last couple of seasons with FSU. Deloach echoed those comments too. He said, I think someone said, which opponent are you looking to play the most? And he responded with ourselves. Cause if we control, we can control. No one's going to beat us. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty profound statement. Like I said earlier, you can really tell that the messaging from Norvell has paid off and these players are really just beginning to act as extensions to him in the media And, you know, it says a lot about their maturity, but it also, I mean, it doesn't allow Florida State to really put out any bulletin board material at the same time. Yeah, no, you don't want to, you know, maybe fire up LSU a little bit. I mean, both teams already fired up enough, but, uh, you know, I just, just watching Mike Norvell talk, very relaxed, definitely has some high confidence, happy dude to be there, Um, you know, joking around too. It was cool to see also having the Bobby Bowden, having the Bowden Society Mm-hmm. Tyon, he was asked about that quite a bit and gave some great quotes talking about Bowden and actually brought up a moment. I wish I uh, – maybe I'll be able to find a video and, and, and tweet it out, but uh, he actually talked about a 
part in time where Bobby Bowden actually came to Mike Norvell's office whenever he was first hired and, you know, them two just having a private conversation about how to lead this program back to where it needs to be. And he, Bobby told him, you know, you've just got to be yourself. You've got to be able to lead and, and take this team and take the reins and develop them. And it all starts in the locker room first. So, uh, you know, it goes to show how much of a pivotal factor Bobby did in that, in that small amount of time that Bobby was around with, with Mike Norvell and Tallahassee, uh, how, how much of an impact that's made for him and helping build that culture. And it seems to have found some success. I mean, you can see it with these players, man. They, they literally preach exactly what their coach is saying. It, it's wild. And that's been the way for like the last two years, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was cool to hear Norvell talk about Bowden. I mean, he talked about him a lot. You know, he got that question early on, but then he also got in the press conference, which, which is when he talked about when Bobby came to his office. And the exact quote was, you know, Bobby told me to be true to myself. You know, you're not going to fool anybody. And the more the more true you are to yourself, the more these guys are going to buy in. Um, and like we said, like you said, we've seen that just consistently over these last few years, how they're speaking the same message. And Norvell feels he owes it to Bobby for, you know, Bobby taking time out of his day, late in his life to come visit Norvell in his office to give him that advice. You know, he, he feels such a great responsibility to be at a program like Florida State. And I, I think that's something that's important. I think it's something that's really, really important. And Norvell was asked, you know, why he's done certain things uh, in the locker room and academically for the players that, that Bobby Bowden did. And he said it's because of the standard at Florida State and, you can tell that he's really doing all he can both on the field and off the field to try and get FSU back up to the same level it was at when Bobby Bowden was at the head of the program. Any last things from ACC kickoff that you would want yes. to mention? Yes. What else we got? Because I, I have got to, I've got to bring up Jared verse. Um, you know, at, at one point he was doing an interview on ACC net, at, network <laughs> and he was asked, uh, what animal does he think he could beat in a fight barehanded? And he said a lion. And I just – I don't agree with that. I mean, <laughs> obviously, he's a, he's a very large individual, and he's in excellent shape. <laughs> I love but how you're giving analysis on this right a now. Lion, a lion versus Jared Verse. And then Kalen Deloach uh, was asked the same question. He said a crocodile – I'm not giving him the nod there either. I mean, those couldn't, I mean, couldn't you just pick a squirrel or something, pick something you're going to be. <laughs> I mean, he did take down a gator last year. So. It, it's fun. It's funny. We had this exact same conversation at work, like two weeks ago, like someone asked this question and someone said an ostrich. I'm like, I don't think you realize how big an ostrich is. Like some people just don't fathom how big some of these Never animals fast. are. Uh, I mean, yeah. it depends for Jared verse here. Jared verse 260, a uh, female adult line is 280. So. It doesn't matter about the weight. It matters about the teeth yeah, and the claws. Give, give Jared a helmet. I'm giving a little chance. I'm give him like Barehanded. But male, male uh, adult, 420. 420. So I don't think that's yeah, going to no happen. Yeah, no shot. Nope. No that shot. ain't going to happen. Well, no, Verse had a lot of great quotes today. Yeah, like there's, there's a lot of times where I'm just sitting back laughing. Like to to start the press conference on the main stage, you know, he, he addressed the media first. He goes, Hey, how y'all doing? And the, the narrative on the side goes, you're the first person that's ever uh, talked to the uh, audience before they've talked to you. Good job on that. And everyone got a laugh out of that. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, someone was talking about how much he talks trash. And he's like, I wouldn't say I really talk trash. I like to have casual conversations, which nobody believed for a second. No, um, being at practices, they, they're not casual. 
I'll tell you that. <laughs> he, he had a lot of great quotes, but the one that stood out was obviously him talking about the defensive line, just saying, I think we have the most talented defensive line in the country and being able to play next to, you know, Braden Fisk and Fabian Lovett, Patrick Payton, just list it off guys. And then to go on and say, you know, Fisk is the only guy that's ever been able to match my intensity. That was kind of like a, oh, okay. Maybe yeah. We might have something here this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Braden, other... go ahead. On the other side of the ball, he also gave uh, Jeremiah Byers some props, was asked about which players have been impressing him and said that Byers, you know, no matter if he wins, loses, or ties a rep, he's also talking trash. So I think you've got Jared Verse and you've got Jared or you've got Jeremiah Byers both firing each other up from the opposite side. And, you know, we saw some really fun battles during the spring and hoping to see that continue during fall camp between those two. It was funny to hear him talk about who got the best of him. He said Trayshawn Ward got him real good last year, and the and the whole sideline went nuts. And he had it, and he, he had it shut up about it. And then <laughs> he was talking. He he was someone asked him about Jordan Travis, and he's like, "Man, Jay Travis just makes me mad because every time I think I have him, I don't have him." <laughs> uh, and that takes a lot for Jared to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's he, he gave a lot of funny quotes. Jared's the perfect guy for an event yep. like this. He's just so naturally witty. Yeah. He's great. He's got tons of confidence. One last thing I'll mention here: Jordan Travis was talking about Jared Verse and saying not a lot of none of his uh, his teammates were a fan of J- Jared once he arrived because he brought that confidence. He brought it whenever he was coming into practices. We'd see him yelling, saying, "Oh shit, I'm coming now. I'm coming for you." And he'd talk shit to Alex Atkins walking into practice. He'd be talking trash to the running backs, saying he's coming after him. Uh, he's, he's like telling the offensive line, I'm coming after your quarterback today. And he brought that before even a snap happened on the game field. And that immediate respect happened after the LSU game. And, uh, you know, Jordan Travis having some really big respect for Jared. They have one of the closest relationships on the team. But, um, you know, that's what I really like about this team. This team is really close with one another. I mean, it, it, it feels going back to like 2011 through – year 2013 2014 these, these guys are highly connected with one another and hold each other accountable in a lot of ways and are putting in a lot of work during the offseason as well as you can tell with some of these weight changes and what they've been doing in the weight room with coach storms uh, to your point about the 2013 team both jared and then there it goes vz there is no point there's no point from vz on that one didn't uh i think norvell mentioned keon coleman oh, look at him. Well, oh wait there he is You're i back. got a phone call i'm sorry Someone how dare they me. Um. Yeah, both Jared Verse and Jordan Travis brought up the 2013 team, just how they go back and watch that film and how connected they were and just how elite they were and how they want to be on that level. You know, yeah. they obviously hear the hype and want to live up to it. 100%. You might want to switch back to the other mic. I think it might have switched to whenever you got the phone call. Um, anything else from ACC kickoff outside of Jared Verse fighting Lions? I mean, Kalen Deloach taking down Crocodiles. Uh, yeah, I mentioned the Fentrell Cypress thing earlier, but Norvell really impressed with him and thinks he's going to play even better at Florida State than he did at Virginia, which, I mean, he was already an all-ACC player before he transferred to FSU. And then, yeah, you, you mentioned it, Logan, but uh, Norvell also had some rave reviews from what he's seen early on from both Keon Coleman and uh, Destin Hill. And we'll get our first look at both of those guys in Garnet and Gold next week obviously it's been a long time coming for hill so i mean it's going to be exciting to finally see him out there on the practice fields fighting for a spot and you know same thing with keon coleman a guy who was recruited by fsu out of high school and now comes in as you know maybe the best wide receiver transfer in the entire country and 
both those guys into the mix with a room that's already got plenty of talent in it should be a pretty fun couple of weeks in fall camp. Uh, let's jump into fall camp because there's a question in here from our guy Terrell Thomas on YouTube asking uh, why fall camp is taking a little bit longer than usual, although this is the usual time of year when it begins. The only reason it started earlier last year was because Florida State started in week zero. So that's why it's open to the media. And we'll go through the schedule here real quick where Florida State and Dustin Lewis will be taking the field on Thursday of next week. Uh, they're going to be starting in the afternoon uh, to begin camp 345 to 6. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and then they're going to go through – you know, not everybody needs to know the whole dates here, but they're going to go for the next couple of weeks until Florida State will go into Jacksonville again, where they went last year to UNF. We were there for that. It was a little bit of a scary time. A little bit. Marie Smith going down there, and we all looked at each other and we're like, please don't go back to this UNF field again. It's definitely only made for soccer players and lacrosse players, not for 325, 330 pound football players, but maybe they're picking a different field this time. I don't think they are, but I don't think so. They're going to go back to uh, <laughs> UNF. I mean, always a good thing. I think it really helps Florida state get into a groove of staying focused and getting prepared for away games. And it seemed to be a success for Florida state last year when they went on the road uh, to pretty much begin their 2022 season in New Orleans. But this allows them to really stay dialed in. And this UNF trip seems to do pretty well for Mike and the staff really likes it as well. So, and also is good for the coaching staff, the trainers, everybody involved. So they like taking that trip every fall camp. And then we'll have a couple of scrimmages that will be closed, but we'll be hearing from the coaching staff and Mike Norvell uh, afterward. Um, and then we're, we're getting close into game week prep when Florida State is going to be facing off against LSU. And we'll have practices on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, closed, closed. And then on Sunday, primetime kickoff, ABC, FSU, LSU. So it's a, it's a packed schedule, Dustin, baby, you know. It's going to be fun. Enjoy the heat. I mean, I'm enjoying it here. At least we get to start at 8. AM, so it's a little bit earlier, but nonetheless, when that sun hits, it is hot. It's coming, like you said, August 10th and 11th at UNF. Uh, obviously, this year we'll be looking for Florida State to uh, stay healthy out there. As you mentioned, that was where Marie Smith was was injured and ended up missing that uh, week zero game before coming back and, and starting the rest of the season for Florida State. Um, and and a funny moment. I mean, I guess we can talk about it now. I'll find out soon if we can't, but. Funny moment after after that practice, Florida State had some guys out there working on snaps, and it was directly behind where they were doing the uh, <laughs> post practice media. So it was all in viewpoint of the camera, and they had to send someone out there, run over there, and be like, "Hey, can you guys move over some and snap out of the view of the cameras, please?" And it was just a big hoopla, but you know, it all ended up working out in the end. Marie Smith was able to come back and, you know, was a stalwart for Florida State last season, starting a career high 12 games. And I think he's going to be even better this season. We'll talk about him in a couple minutes. Uh, let's jump through these really quickly before we go into Charles Lester discussion in our fall camp offensive preview. Northwestern linebacker transfer 
Justin Cryer has been added to this roster going into the 2023 season. Florida State obviously wanted to add some depth there. What are your thoughts on this pickup? I mean, you know, I think Randy Shannon gets a lot of heat here left and right with some things and some of the takes and some of the recruiting efforts that he does with some of the players, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, this is just strictly a depth situation here and what we saw during the offseason too, uh, where Florida State put Brian Courtney from tight end over to linebacker. You know, they made sure to make this a focus this offseason. We had talked about it too, that, that there was definitely some moves, at least to add in some depth. Of course, you're running – a two linebacker set, but still just in case, just in case something happens, you know, it's always good to add some experience back there, but yeah, uh, Justin Cryer is a Seminole. Florida state had an extra scholarship at this point of the off season, you know, not, not a lot out there in the transfer portal right now. And I mean, this is essentially FSU adding a true freshman to their 2023 class. Cause that's pretty much exactly what Justin Cryer is um, had just enrolled at Northwestern in June to begin his college career. And then obviously the uh, hazing investigation began at the university head coach, Pat Fitzgerald was um, fired. And since then we've seen a couple Northwestern players hit the transfer portal. And I mean, this was one for Florida state where they were one of the first teams to reach out to crier. And I think it came down to basically familiarity between the two sides. Crier was actually um, the, the first scholarship in his recruitment was from Florida State, ended up visiting FSU um, last offseason. I believe it, it was in March and was able to meet with Mike Norvell and Randy Shannon at the time, ultimately committed to Northwestern and signed. But, I mean, this is really just more evidence of what Mike Norvell and Florida State do in the transfer portal. You know, you see it. They develop relationships with guys. And even when they signed other programs, like someone in the event of Justin Cryer, Whenever it was time to uh, look for a new opportunity, he had that familiarity, that relationship with Florida State. We saw the same thing pay off a little bit with uh, Keon Coleman whenever he previously hit the transfer portal. So, I mean, not going to probably do a whole lot for Florida State this season. going to be more of a, a developmental year, but kind of bridging the gap a little bit because Kalen Deloach, Tate, and Bethune are going to be moving on after this upcoming season. You know, we're not really sure what's going to happen with DJ Lundy yet. He can move on or, or come back. For another year and then outside of that you're pretty young in that linebacker room at this time with uh redshirt freshman omar graham being the next experience to that point so crier getting a guy on the roster who can potentially be a starter in the future one thing that i forgot to mention going back to weight change real quick because you brought up lundy he went up to, to 244 236 to 244 and if he can keep that same athleticism that he did in camp Woo! I'm excited for Lundy, man. That dude has worked on his body a whole ton, has gotten better, able to move east to west a ton, and he was better in coverage last year too. Him taking that next step, we might be talking about him being a potential guy that could either stay another year but have the chance to hear some hear from some scouts mm -hmm. and maybe take it to the next level. That, that's that's impressive. As long as long as he can handle that weight well, that's Is Austin huge. podcasting and driving right now. No. Let's keep. Let's get a close eye on him. Let's see. It's not. I had to relocate. I'm sorry. You might have to change your uh, mic too. I think it switched whenever someone called you, VZ. Um, all right. Okay. Yeah, you're good. All right. Let's jump into a 2013 national champion joining Mike Norvell's staff. Dustin. Who is it? I, 
I'm not going to say it. Oh. I'm going to say his name, but I'm not going to say what everybody else says on broadcast. But former 2013 national champion, tight end, Nick O'Leary has joined Mike Norvell's staff going into this season. Oh, that dude's grandson. Yeah, one of those guys, one of the, that golfer guy, oh. that golfer man. Yeah, um, yeah, he's joined. He's joined Florida State staff as a student assistant coach on the offense. Uh, this was released on Florida State's media guide. But yeah, Nick O'Leary joining the ranks definitely going to probably play. Uh, decent role with coach Thomason in the tight end room. That'll be fun to watch for you, Dustin and Tommy uh, getting close up there and seeing what Nick O'Leary has to bring to the table on the coaching side of things, because, you know, you don't see him as being much of a talking guy, not crazy outgoing as much. You know, we have, uh, we, we've been able to get some good scoop on what, who Nick O'Leary is as a person and stuff. And uh, <laughs> coming off from our uh, calculated chaos episodes. Well, we've also, sport. we've also had an interaction with him. Ha- have we? Yeah. You, you don't remember talking oh, to him yeah, at Kenny yeah. Charles camp? Well, yeah, two years or three years ago, three years. we were Nick O'Leary. Uh, you know, he was, he was just doing the, what was it? The football gun i don't know he was just doing for punts for some of the kids out there and i went over to talk to him and i was like what's going on man how are we doing he was telling me about you know you know he might be going back in the league you know he was working on some health stuff and whatnot but uh you know i was like well you know we'd love to get you on the podcast nick i think it would be great the fans would love it so nah, i'll think about it <laughs> that's all it's really gone i've i've talked with stork about it Stork, you know, he's trying his hardest to get him on his own show and still hasn't been able to show. So maybe we'll get him on for the season potentially. Now we got to go through friggin' FSU, and that's harder than getting to the moon at this point. So, um, but yeah, Nick O'Leary, anyways, on Florida State staff, awesome, great experience. I'm just interested to see what kind of role he's going to play and what he does with the tight end room. Pretty cool stuff. We've seen him around the program a little bit. Um, this offseason was back at Florida State in March for that Seminole Legacy uh, recruiting weekend that FSU held. And then also was recently on campus again in June whenever FSU held the elite camp, had some had an invite-only camp inside of Doe Campbell Stadium. He was actually out there um, assisting Coach Thompson and working with some of the tight ends that day, including five-star FSU tight end commit Landon Thomas. I mean, seeing those two guys work one-on-one together in a setting like that was pretty cool. I would imagine he'll be back out there this weekend when Florida State has their next uh, and final big recruiting event of the summer. But yeah, I mean, just having a guy like Nick O'Leary, someone who's been there and done that at a high level, both in college and in the NFL and has championship experience, you know, going into a season where Florida State is looking to potentially contend for a championship, you know, only going to be a student assistant and getting his career off the ground. But I think this is a nice little sneaky addition for Florida State. And, you know, being able to sprinkle these former players back into the program is only going to help enhance the culture. 100%. Absolutely. You know, one thing too, Jordan Travis actually mentioned at ACC kickoff that LaMarcus Joyner will be coming to talk to the team, I believe next week before fall camp begins. So there you go. That, that's an alpha male, a guy that just proved himself on the field a ton. And I'm sure uh, LaMarcus Joyner gave uh, O'Leary a few mm, stunners here and there and some pops, you know, Gave him a hard time, but uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced Nick O'Leary ever felt anything. He got hit by a bus 
and didn't have a scratch on him. So I, I don't <laughs> think he got a statement from the orchestra. Yeah, no, I don't think he gets hurt much at all. But LaMarcus Joyner, that's a different kind of missile coming at you, man. That is a nasty guy. But, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that Jordan Travis mentioned mm-hmm. that. Another 2013 national champion on the uh, 10-year anniversary. Yeah, a lot of former Knowles, Mike Norvell, making sure to bring in some of these guys that found success during that season, even the season before, too, in 2012. Some of those guys that helped build the program back and get to a national championship, beating Auburn in that last BCS uh, national championship. It's cool to bring these guys back, get there, talk with them. And, you know, we don't hear a ton from LaMarcus Joyner. He's not on social media. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do all that kind of stuff. So for him to have a private conversation with the team will be really unique and uh, something that I, you know, I think the players will like a ton. Definitely for like a guy like Cheyenne Brown, Akeem Dent, some of those younger guys like KJ Kirkland, who has had a really nice spring, who we expect to maybe play a decent role in 2023. So uh, it's going to be that'll, – that'll be good. Hopefully we'll get some clips from that. We'll see. Uh, all right, let's jump into some recruiting, and then we're going to talk some Charles Lester. Uh, Florida State has had a busy month, Dustin, in a lot of different ways. But first off, seven commits – Seven commits for the Seminoles, including a big-time recruiting weekend coming up with some visitors. But just going back to some of the latest commits, I know we weren't live last week, but Florida State was able to land a really talented running back along with some other guys. Yeah, seven commitments to uh, this point of July, Florida State getting back into that top 10 recruiting class range. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to add a really talented guy in in Charles Lester here later in the week. And they're running, obviously, for – K.J. Bolden and Julius Solomon, who are going to commit there early in August. But, I mean, yeah, to this point of the month, uh, four-star defensive end, D.D. Holmes, three-star defensive back, Red Morgan, four-star wide receiver, Elijah Moore, four-star cornerback, Ricky Knight, four-star offensive lineman, Jonathan Daniels, three-star offensive lineman, Ty Hilton, and four-star running back, Makai Danzi, have all committed to Florida State. I believe that was in the correct order in regards to commitment date as well. But, I mean, a huge month that uh, could potentially be capped off with a cherry on top. We'll see how things go in the next couple of days. Speaking of the cherry on top, let's just get to it, why don't we? I mean, it's in the title. It's in the thumbnail. It's been a heavy discussion, and it's finally time. It's crazy that we're already at the end of July. But, you know, this is five-star defensive back, cornerback, extremely talented Charles Lester, who will be making his commitment and making everything official on Friday. We'll be in attendance for that, so we'll have full coverage. We're hoping to go live here, too, on our YouTube. That's why I keep on saying make sure you hit the like button. Also, subscribe, so then you get notified when we do go live. Also, hit that bell so then it'll hit you with a notification on your phone so we're going to be there in attendance for this one i think he's holding a whole entire event for this type of thing mm. i don't know what we're walking ourselves into but it should be a fun evening hopefully for fsu fans but as usual media media personalities jumping in trying to make some things interesting stirring up the pot a little bit between florida state and colorado trying to bring back the whole scenario between Florida State and Travis Hunter. Why not we do it again with Charles Lester? Or is it just all hoopla and we're just playing games to play games? And why not get a little attention here at the end of it all? 
it's been quite the recruitment, hasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Coming into the month, obviously, Florida State pegged as the favorite here. Lester has been to FSU, believe, nine times as a recruit, including his official visit last month, uh, capped things off at Florida State to end the month of June, but obviously decided to take an unofficial visit to uh, Colorado this week and in the days leading up to his announcement on Friday. Really seems like right now it's coming down to uh, FSU and Colorado in this one. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Deion Sanders trying to make a late push. We saw today Charles Lester doing a photo shoot in Colorado, taking a last little second visit there. Also with some teammates, worth noting, you know, having them get the opportunity to go up there and get some love. That's always good, helping out some teammates. But, yeah, having a photo shoot, also visiting around the campus and everything. Uh, You know, Deion found some success last time in getting Travis Hunter uh, pulled away from FSU and that recruiting class and now trying to potentially do it again. Uh, it just seems like though, the amount of visits that Florida state has gotten from Lester, the relationships you listen to Croman Hawk, you listen to Cam Davis, some of these guys, Landon Thomas, you know, these guys heavily recruiting him, but it seems like they've had a good relationship and, uh, you know, you never know what happens on the back end of things behind closed doors. But I think Florida State is in a, in a phenomenal spot to land Charles Lester. Uh, you know, if I was going to give a prediction right now, which I am going to give a prediction, I'm going to go Florida State here. I think this was all just a little uh, funsies to end off the recruitment. Why not? I mean, I, I think it's also going to be interesting, too, to see what Lester does on Friday night because I think we could have a whole <laughs> type of jab back at Dion for what happened uh, two years ago with Travis Hunter and Florida State. I, I, that's why I'm excited to go to this commitment. I haven't gone to a, a live commitment like this uh, in a really long while. So to go to this one, I think it's going to be fun, but I think there's going to be some entertainment with it. But yeah, I've got, I've got Charles Lester to Florida state. That really hasn't changed for me much for a long while. Dustin, you're way more connected into recruiting side of things, but just off of hearing a few things from you and interviews and hearing from some of the other recruits too. this one, not sweating much, to be honest with you. It's going to be interesting. Deion Sanders has proven that he can recruit some of the top cornerbacks in the country You know, you mentioned it, obviously, with Travis Hunter. That one uh, rings true to FSU fans. But we also saw it with uh, Cormani McLean in the last recruiting cycle, ending up at Colorado over uh, Miami, UF, and Alabama and some other schools. So he's done it twice. Could he do it three times in three cycles? I'm not as confident this time in Dion. Um, Like I said, Lester's been to FSU nine times. He's developed an extremely close relationship with the coaching staff from Mike Norvell all the way to Pat Sertan, you know, even though that relationship is relatively new, it seems like they've connected together well. And he believes in the plan that Sertan has for him at at the college level. And at the same time, you know, you mentioned some of FSU's commitments, Luke Cromanhawk, Camp Davis, um, other high profile, high profile guys have been reaching out to Lester to do their part and trying to get him to join this class. I do agree. I, I think, you know, when you're looking at this from an outsider perspective, you almost would think that Lester 
was pretty much Florida State bound with how many times he's been there. Hmm. But now, you know, he's throwing a little bit of drama in it, taking this last-minute visit to Colorado, shaking things up, and it makes – it adds a little bit more uh, mystique going into Friday's announcement. At the same time, I do feel confident that Florida State's done enough to win out this recruitment, and, you know, I've had him projected to Florida State now for well over a month at this point, and I feel still pretty confident about that. VZ Gun, give us your uh, prediction there, our recruiting expert. I'd rather not. <laughs> I, I hope it's just not. Just say Colorado so we can hedge the bet. Yeah, I mean, the, the odds would increase a little bit. Uh, it, it's it's one of those. If, if he does, great. If he doesn't, well, okay. You know, we'll get trolled on Twitter for another week and a half, and we'll we'll get past it. Florida State's done a really good job in the defensive back room recruiting-wise, though. You look at K.J. Bolden, too. You know, not sure if he's going to end up picking Florida State, but recruitment-wise, they are right there, top two, top three. I think just the way that they've been able to build a relationship there. And it is a need for safety. They need that talent. Mm-hmm. But uh, they did a great, they've done a great job with him, and that commitment is on August 5th, which we'll be covering really heavily as well. But, um, yeah, Charles Lester, that many times at Tallahassee, Florida State, the relationships that he has with the staff – Family extremely close with Mike Norvell. Sorry, Barstool Sports. I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening. He's been to Tallahassee more times as a recruit than I have been since I graduated from Florida State. So (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. Well, then you also don't have Florida State paying for everything to come visit you too, these, you know, under the table. You never know. Nah. Leonard Hamilton? Coach Ham got the got the bags for VZ? Just saying. Never know. It, it would be a surprise, but I mean, we've seen crazier things on the recruiting throw oh, yeah. happen. But I mean, at least, at least from thing from where things stand on my end, I'm still feeling pretty good about Florida State. What 48 hours or so out from the announcement, we've we've literally seen the craziest of crazies. We've been here in a meeting room watching everything unfold and looking at one another, like what what what's what's happening here. I, I think the FSU media has been through some of the wildest times and covering a college football program. Of course, there's other things that are, are, are crazy, but just strictly off of recruitment-wise, by far the most wild thing that we've ever had to cover. So, not saying that's going to happen. Not saying it's going to happen on Friday. I'm not starting any kind of pot, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a little bit of entertainment a little bit on Friday, and I think it's going to go in Florida State's favor. So, I'm going to keep it at that. We'll see how it goes. But moving into Saturday, still going to be some activity for Florida State, holding a big end-of-summer recruiting event on campus. Uh, 65-plus recruits expected in attendance at this time. Uh, The top uncommitted prospect, number one wide receiver, five-star prospect, Jeremiah Smith. I'm sorry, he is committed to Ohio State, not committed to Florida State um, coming into this trip. Long-time Ohio State commit dating back to uh, December I believe, give or take, but, you know, content, has continued to uh, make trips to Tallahassee throughout his recruitment. This will be his second trip to FSU in about six weeks, something like that. He was on campus in June for a little bit as well in Tallahassee. So, I mean, this is one that you've got to continue to monitor FSU doing what they can to try and flip him from Ohio State and you know, we saw that Northwestern job open up. We'll see if uh, Brian Hartline decides to maybe take a leap at a head coaching opportunity. But if he were to leave Ohio State, that would really open the door 
for FSU to get into this recruitment. Smith still expected to take an official visit to Florida State during the fall. So, I mean, as long as he keeps coming back, that's a good thing for the Seminoles, and they'll have another chance to make an impression this weekend. Yeah, another crazy weekend for Florida State on the recruiting side of things. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the Seminoles at least coming into fall camp, you know, I think, too, for some of these players, seeing what you know the potential could be whenever they face off against LSU, it's going to be so much fun to watch how many recruits are going to be in attendance for that. They can they can still attend that game, right? How, how does that work? Because I always get confused on what can work, like what can happen. Like they can get – since it is a neutral side game, both LSU and Florida State is allowed to invite and give tickets off to recruits to view that. I'm not entirely sure how that works. So based on my understanding, they're allowed to give out tickets to prospects, but they're not going to be allowed to have any contact with those prospects, you know, at the game or anything like that. So they'll be able to be there and watch it, but Florida State's coaching staff isn't going to be able to walk over yeah. and be like, hey, Cam Davis or, you know, <laughs> something like that. We, we saw it last year, a couple guys, Cam Davis actually was one of them, was yeah. there in New Orleans to watch that game. Hakeem Williams was there, and I would imagine, you know, you're going to see a, a pretty large contingent of the FSU commits making that trip to Orlando as, as well as some major targets. Um, right now, going back to this weekend, as far as Saturday, Luke Cromanhawk, Camp Davis, B.J. Gibson, Landon Thomas, um, Jonathan Daniels, Ty Hilton, Ricky Knight, uh, FSU commits all expected back on campus, and as well as some interesting names in future classes. This one really going to revolve around the 2025 and 2026 recruiting classes more than anything. Uh, we're going to see Jonah Winston back in Tallahassee for the first time since he picked up a scholarship offer from FSU back in March. I mean, this one really focused on evaluating some guys and building relationships for the future, but you're still going to have a guy in Smith and as well as a couple guys committed to other schools and uh, linebacker Caleb Dozier committed to Mississippi State, uh, defensive end Jordan Boyd committed to Georgia Tech in that 2024 class. So a little bit of stuff happening there as well. It's a lot. It's a lot. Good to see uh, Jonah coming back in town as well. Yeah. Rebel building a good relationship there with the Winston family and Jonah, talented guy, talented player, more of a dual threat to at least early on, still a young player, but Florida State trying to get a good relationship right there. And it was good to see also Jameis too, not too long ago. Uh, they're getting his recognition and, you know, Mike Norvell trying to build that relationship with the Winston family. But Jonah is going to be one that is going to have a lot of opportunities already getting offers across the country, building them up and stacking them up. So you got that Winston genetics, man. Yeah, that, that offer sheet is wild for a guy <laughs> who hasn't even played his sophomore season yet. I mean, FSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. He's already got like half the SEC. Yep. He's got, uh, yeah, Saban trying to keep him in Alabama. So we'll see what ends up happening. 2026 is a long ways away, though. Goodness gracious. All right, guys. Let's finish off this show to jumping into some fall camp preview. Let's go position by position. This offense is absolutely loaded it is loaded, loaded. Florida State bringing back their star players and Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, while continuing to add in talent like Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, tight end transfer. You're bringing in Kyle Morlock, too, who is just a physical specimen that Florida State's going to try to develop the next year or two. 
And then you've also got guys that have been sticking around the program. A certain guy like Winston Wright Jr., who just recently put out a video seeming to be close to about 100% running that route. I thought he looked pretty damn smooth, by far the smoothest we've seen him. Dustin, one thing that we haven't seen from him, though, is just taking on physical contact fully. Um, you know, we saw him in the Seminole Showcase, but that still didn't seem like it was full go for him. There's a lot There's a lot to like about this offense, and we'll start at the quarterback position with Jordan Travis, and watching him take those strides last year, guys, was huge because we had some question marks. Kenny Dillingham moving on, and we know how talented he is at developing quarterbacks, but Jordan Travis taking that jump with his arm is something that we looked at and, you know, we're kind of shocked in the amount of the ratio – 24 touchdowns on five interceptions. That's something that we weren't expecting last year to see that rise. And then now going into a second year with a talent coming back with added guys, uh, he's just set up for success like no other and, and the conference and maybe in the co- and, and college right now. We were expecting a jump, but the, the jump that we ended, we ended up seeing from Jordan Travis uh, was I think a way bigger leap than any of us expected. I mean, he was coming off a season where he'd already completed over 62% of his passes, bumped that up to 64%, uh, passed for over 3,000 yards, ended up compiling over 30 total touchdowns, 24 touchdown passes to five interceptions, nearly a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, it was a borderline elite season for Jordan Travis. And I think the only reason, you know, he wasn't among some of the other Heisman contenders last year was just maybe because of the amount that he ended up throwing. There were some games down the stretch where Jordan Travis didn't play a lot because Florida State was absolutely blowing teams out of the water. Um, You know, we'll see if maybe he has some of that same detriment this year. But, I mean, you're looking at a guy coming into the year who is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Florida State history. And, you know, we'll see he's got he's on the path to Heisman contention and we'll see if he's able to live up to it. But just with the mindset that he's coming into and the way that he's continued to improve year after year under Mike Norvell at Florida State, I think you've got to be really excited with uh, having Jordan Travis under center in 2023. Norvell said uh, today at ACC kickoff after their spring exit meetings in 22, he said, you know, Jordan Travis. What I want you to do is walk out this office, walk down the lobby, and look at those three Heisman trophies because you can win one of those. And he wanted to instill that belief in Travis that he could do that. And he even said at the time, you know, that might have been a bold statement, but he turned in a really good season. Now we're coming into his final season where he arguably is one of the Heisman favorites, arguably going to win ACC preseason player of the year. There was no player today that got more attention than Jordan Travis did. Um, he's exactly what you want. He represents Florida State so well both on and off the field. He's exactly what you want in a quarterback, and he's coming a long way since we were debating Mackenzie Milton versus Jordan Travis just two years ago. <laughs> that was a wild time. That was really wild. And just to think, too, he was QB3 on the depth chart. Like Mike Norvell, he wasn't his initial QB1. He wasn't. Um, and, you know, Jordan Travis made those strides and stayed dialed in and has mm-hmm. turned into be an incredible playmaker for Florida State and, you know, extremely exciting to watch as a college football fan and has turned into a leader too. Not the biggest vocal guy, and he'll admit that. He's not a vocal one, but he'll show you on the field and he earned respect from his teammates by doing that, making these plays, staying in games. And two, I think the biggest switch we saw last year was after that NC State game. We saw him at practice turn into a pretty ticked-off player. 
And we continued to ask Mike Norvell about that. And he said, you know, he, yeah, he was pretty pissed off about, you know, that loss and having that three game losing streak. He felt like this team was better than the, you know, those losses, they shouldn't have lost those games. And that's what Jordan Travis put onto his shoulder going into the rest of the season and then finding success and finishing off and getting the bowl game one, getting 10 wins, but now there's more. And he, he wants to take this team to an ACC championship. He wants to take them to the playoffs and, uh, the only way of doing that was being able to load some talent around him, some extra help, and him continuing to develop as as a passer. We know what he can do with his legs, but uh, I, I think we're going to see a really a really smart quarterback this upcoming season because there would be times, too, last year where he would roll out a little bit longer, keep his eyes downfield, and that's, that's what we wanted to see from him. That's what everybody gave him criticism for. But I do want to see him this year not risk himself so much. If he's got time, if he's got far, five yards ahead of him, go ahead and use those legs, man. You know, don't take those shots if you don't have to. I think he was kind of still focused on trying to be, you know, sh- you know, shush the critics a little bit and, you know, keep his eyes downfield and throw where he put himself at risk at times. Florida State's going to have to keep Jordan Travis healthy in 2023 or things can, you know, fall down pretty quickly. Norvell said multiple times today that he thinks Travis is just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if that's true, then, you know, it's a scary sight for the ACC and the rest of college football. But it's to your point, you know, he, he was focused so much last year on, you know, just being a quarterback. Let me prove him wrong with my arm. If he could find that running version he had of 2021 combined with the passing version he had last year, that's a dangerous, dangerous quarterback. And to your point, Austin, he's also called Jordan Travis and Jared Verse, two of the most improved players mm-hmm. Um, entering this 2023 season, which says a lot with how good those two guys already are. So, I mean, for them to just continue taking steps in their development, um, continuing to master the offensive or defensive schemes at Florida State, becoming more in sync with the coaches and the players around them, um, both of them, Jordan Travis, Jerry Verse, are both going to have huge seasons. And then real quick, just going to the depth chart behind them. Uh, don't need to talk talk a whole ton about this, but Tay Rodemaker going into this season as QB2, I think that's going to be solidified throughout the season. But it w- you would like to see if time does present itself in some games where Florida State's shutting down some teams, you'd like to see where A.J. Duffy or Glenn can get in there and get some mm-hmm. playing time. But I think definitely Tate Rodemaker, he knows this system. We saw what he was able to do against Louisville. This guy's got QB2 locked up throughout the season. I don't think there's any kind of discussion that some of those guys below him are going to jump unless something like magical or something massive happens in fall camp, or we see something happen in a couple weeks going in to the season. But say Rodemaker knows this offense. He's able to get down the field. He can connect with his playmakers and you're not going to have to rely on a whole ton of your quarterback play because of what you've got in that running back room and the talent that you've added around him, definitely in the tight end room as well. But I, you know, Tate Rodemaker, I, I feel confident with him being QB2 if something were to go down. He, he just knows this offense the best, and we see it during practices. He's able to work some drives down the field, and the quarterback's behind him. They're, you know, they're still learning, and A.J. Duffy, yeah, we saw maybe some small strides, Dustin, but not enough for me. Not enough for me, and definitely Glenn, too. Too young, I understand, maybe having a nice offseason, but I'm sorry, seven-on-sevens with just some shorts and jerseys on, that, that's not going to cut it for me. Uh, whenever you've got Jared Verse, you've got Pat Payne, you've got 300-pound defensive lineman running at you, it's a little bit different of a story. So I don't think there's any kind of QB2 battle to be chattered about, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Tate Rodemaker has this job going into 2023. It'll be tough to unseat Tate Rodemaker for sure, especially with Duffy 
just going into his second year, uh, Brock Glenn entering his first year with the program. But at the same time, I think these practices are, are going to be really important to keep an eye on as far as maybe who's going to emerge as Florida State's quarterback of the future. You know, we talked about before Jordan Travis is going to be is going to move on after the season. Tate Rodemaker, AJ Duffy, and Brock Glenn are all expected to uh, be back. So I mean, just seeing them compete throughout the season and practice. I think last year, you know, as far as watching them, the quarterback unit during practice. It wasn't like Rodemaker and Duffy were really competing with each other because Rodemaker still had that just such a big edge and experience. And obviously, none of them were really competing with Jordan Travis for the starting job either. He had that solely locked down. But, you know, now Travis still has that job locked down. But Rodemaker, I feel like, is going to have to prove himself and continue to earn that spot, especially if, you know, he wants to be in line for that starting spot next year in 2024. I say this in the nicest way possible. I hope we don't hear anything about Tate Rodmaker or AJ Duffy unless it's a fifty-point game. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't. I don't want to see it unless it's way over and you got fourth quarter time for some of those guys to get some PT. Then something bad happens. So, but yeah, I, I feel confident as Rodmaker being QB two going into this season. Let's jump into the running back room where Florida State and Coach David Johnson. The running backs coach is loaded, you know, star studded with Trey Benson coming back, but also Lawrence to Philly who knows this system very well, who Mike Norvell recruited heavily to keep in his class and his first season coming into Florida state. Lawrence to Philly fits that offense that Mike Norvell likes a lot, but Trey Benson, Lawrence to Philly. You've also got some newcomers, some guys that are still developing uh, like a guy, Rodney Hill, you got C.J. Campbell, who I'm super, super excited to see play in 2023. And I think, Dustin, you and I will agree we should see Campbell play this upcoming season, just the way that he's practiced, the amount of plays that he made. And then going back to some of these spring scrimmages, Dustin, we were hearing tons about C.J. Campbell. And now that he's back fully healthy, he could be a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion. I think he's Florida State's best pass catcher out of the backfield. I really do. I think he's got great hands. He runs routes well. And, you know, Mike Norvell praises him a ton during practices. And then you've got a guy from Penn State transfer, Kaziah Holmes, who, you know, we've got some question marks there. We just don't know what we're going to get from him. But we see the signs here and there. But sadly, you know, kind of dealt with an injury before going into the Seminole Showcase. Wasn't available there. So I'm like, when am I ever going to see Kaziah Holmes? like actually go off of some game film or see some playing time. But we'll see that whenever the season begins, I guess. But um, unless we're hearing a few things from some of these scrimmages and such. But, uh, you know, and then you got Rodney Hill, who I think a lot of Florida State fans are really excited for, who kind of is like a complete package, don't you think? You know, could do yeah. it all. Has the speed getting off to the side. Back last year in fall camp, remember Dustin being in Jacksonville at UNF? I he do. Was star. He was the star that weekend. Um but, yeah, this running back, is loaded. of course, you've got some youngsters, but just going off your top board here, uh, Coach Coach Yak, is he's got the talent. Florida State relied on mainly a, a three-back look last season in Trey Benson, Lawrence Toafili, and Treshawn Ward. So, I mean, going into this fall camp, you're really looking to find that guy who can uh, take over that number three spot. Obviously, Benson going to be back doing his thing, Lawrence Toafili as well. So you've got your running back and tailback. And then, I mean, you said it, Logan, that you've got your guy who can do it all in Rodney Hill. And I feel like he's the most probable candidate to uh, step into this lineup for Florida State and uh, make make a big impact as a redshirt freshman. We did get to see him some last year. 
and uh, mop up duty. And I mean, he, he made some impressive plays, like you said, was uh, extremely impressive in UNF. And I mean, just throughout the year was always someone making plays and practices for Florida state, which says a lot because he's one of the only running backs on the roster that was not donning the uh, non-contact green Jersey. So, I mean, he was still throughout the season taking full, full contact uh, from, from defenders and getting tackled to the ground at some points, things like that. So, I mean, I've been really impressed with his development and has continued to make strides in the strength and conditioning program, had an impressive uh, showing in that spring showcase. So I think you've got to look to Rodney Hill to be that guy. But I do agree with you. You know, C.J. Campbell has been terrific since coming back. We've seen some stuff. We've seen some flashes from Kaiseya Holmes when he has been available. And, you know, we'll see how he, how he comes out in fall camp. And then you've also got a guy in Samuel Singleton as well, a true freshman coming in. So, I mean, some really exciting names in that backfield. And, I mean, that's what Mike Norvell and Florida State do. And, I mean, Coach Jack as well, just continue to produce uh, quality running backs. It's an exciting room with a lot of talent. Norvell got asked about it today at media day. I, I want to see a little bit more out of Toa Fielder. We all know how talented he is, especially out of the backfield catching the ball. I just want to see it used a little bit more. I feel like there was a lot of times last year where he was just kind of kept to the wayside for Trey Benson and, and Trayshawn Moore to do their things. I want to see Toefili shine a little bit. He's got, he's clearly got the talent. We just need to see it. And one thing about Toefili that he made strides in was being a physical runner, better on the inside, mm. on his inside runs. And, you know, Florida State, he was showing it during some practices. They were using him a lot in goal line packages. But, of course, you've got better guys, you know, Trey Benson. You can put Lundy at fullback, and that helps you a little bit more. But nonetheless, yeah, I think you're right there, Austin. Florida State's got to find a way to utilize his talent better. And there's a reason why he's stuck. He could have easily transferred. You know, he could have gone with like Treshawn Ward, uh, you know, Treshawn Ward now with Kansas State and is going to be their starter there and is going to be, uh, you know, a great running back for them. But now, you know, now it's Lawrence Toa Philly's turn to tag team with Trey Benson. This is how Mike Norvell runs his offense. And there will be times last year though where Trey Benson couldn't find, you know, things weren't clicking at times. And Treshawn Ward had to come in and he was able to go north. You know, that's going to be interesting to watch too what Mike Norvell wants to do in that running back room in case, you know, Trey is not able to, you know, find his groove a little bit um, because he is going to put out the best running back and he's going to continue to get the most uh, playing time during that game, uh, finding success on the ground. But, you know, we're going to talk about the offensive line and how that's going to play a pivotal factor as well. But that, you know, strides there have been made too to where you can open up a lot of things for some of these running backs and put them in a good position to get to the second level and, and put some moves on some of these linebackers and DBs. Yeah, just for stats' sake, between carries and receptions, Tofili only touched the ball about nine times per game last season. To me, that's got to be, you know, 12, 13, 14, just to have that kind of diversity in the backfield. Obviously, Trey Benson is going to be your downhill runner, but you got to diversify it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to need to find that second fiddle because I do agree with you, Logan. We saw Trey Benson struggle um, a couple times in big games last year. You know, you think to that LSU game, um, he didn't have the greatest performance. Rashawn Ward was able to earn some tough yards. I mean, the FSU running game in general was uh, struggling that game. But then also going to the bowl game against Oklahoma, you know, Trey Benson coming up 10 yards short of that 1,000-yard mark while Rashawn Ward had, uh, what was it, two, three touchdowns? I mean, a really – a really nice cap off to his Florida State career before transferring to Kansas State and was a big reason that the Seminoles were able to make that comeback against Oklahoma. So it's going to be important to find um, a compliment who, you know, is does some things differently than Benson to give defenses a different look. Yeah, 
I think the, the biggest fit that Florida State and Coach Yak and Norvell and Atkins are going to have to figure out, it's just going to be hard to get C.J. Campbell and Ronnie Hill off the field. It's going to be tough. And, you know, if things aren't working for Benson or, you know, it's not clicking for Toffoli, we're going to see a lot of playing time from those guys that we haven't seen a ton yet. And that's going to be pretty exciting to watch and see those guys develop this upcoming season. And hopefully they will get that fourth quarter, late third quarter playing time and allow some arrest for and to affiliate some of the guys ahead of them on the depth chart. Uh, now, you know, it just continues. This offense is crazy. Uh, let's talk wide receiver room. Um, the donk is donking. This this is ridiculous, man. <laughs> the donk is donking. Ron, Ron Dugans has an absolutely loaded. I, 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 I haven't been this excited about a wide receiver room ever, ever on this show, ever in my entire life talking about Florida State's wide receiver unit this place is just stupid dumb uh you know let's just start off with your you know your star guy with johnny wilson who was continuing to get better a guy that uh florida state was able to bring in from arizona state he develops he gets coached up from dugans and you know he ends up being a star for fsu making some pivotal plays in the red zone Definitely, you know, you go back to that Louisville game, Tate Rodemick, or both of them connecting midfield, making a big-time drive, and then catching the touchdown there over a former Florida State defensive back. And uh, But, yeah, Johnny Wilson, still some things to be done. Definitely a lot of ways for him to improve, but he's coming back for another season because of that. And, you know, you go from there, and you go to, I think, what needs to be talked about quite a bit is wide receiver two, in my opinion, right now, you know, there's going to be some arguments with me. I had it on Instagram yesterday when I didn't bring up his name for the wide receiver two room, but I like Kentron Poitier a ton to be a, to be a starter going into this 2023 season going at least for LSU game. It's going to be hard. You know, you've got Keon Coleman coming in from oh, Michigan no. State, but I, what, what we saw from this spring and what we've seen him do too in games and being reliable with his hands, it's going to, I think Kentron Poitier is going to be uh, forced to be reckoned with, with getting off that starting unit for the wide receiver room, but it's, it's loaded everywhere, man. You got Ja'Kai Douglas coming back. Um, you know, you're still waiting to see if Winston Wright, is it going to be a full go? Is he going to be able to complement this offense? Cause he's going to be, you know, a factor. We don't really know that yet. And then, you know, you've also got some guys that we've seen flashes like Darren Williamson, you know, Jordan Travis really liked going to him uh, against that Boston College game. We see a ton of flashes here and there in practice, but then the biggest thing for him is just staying healthy. If he can stay healthy, you know, Mike Norvell talks about him. He's one of the most athletic guys, gifted in a lot of different ways and traits and talent. But, uh, you know, there there's some guys that, you know, just have some question marks. There's, there's just too many names. And then, of course, you know, Destin Hill that guy, whoever that is, he's literally on the roster and he'll be hitting the field on Thursday next week. So I'm opening this up to discussion. Let's just talk the wide receiver room. Why not? Uh, I, I love Tron. He came on a big way last season and I don't want to spoil too much, but I did put Keon Coleman on my preseason all ACC team. So I think he's got to be my receiver too. <laughs> just, <laughs> hope by, so. just by default. <laughs> um, he, I mean, he was the best receiver on a team that had a second-round draft pick at receiver with a terrible quarterback. You know, he's going to come in and be really good for this football team, even if it takes him a little bit to get used to the system and get used to the route tree. Those things may take a little time, but he's too talented, too skilled, too quick to keep off the field, in my opinion. 
Keon Coleman uh, didn't come to Florida State to come off the bench for a year. Even not even for a year, for a game. He didn't come to Florida. He didn't come to Florida State to come off the bench in the LSU game. He wants that primetime spotlight. He wants to make those big plays like Pokey made in the LSU game last year. And that's no, like you said, it's no discredit to what Kentron is bringing to the table because he had ter- terrific spring. I think we pretty much dubbed him our king of the spring on this podcast. And I mean, we talked about him a ton, but I just think Coleman comes in a little bit more. I mean, obviously more experienced, a little bit more talented at this stage of his career. And just having him next to Johnny Wilson is going to create, I mean, nearly an unstoppable two-man duo for Florida State out there. But then in the packages where you go jumbo and you bring in Kentron alongside them and you've got three six-foot-three-plus guys out there, I mean, it's going to be an aerial attack for defenses and they're going to have to pick who to match, who to um, double-team, you know, who to leave in single coverage. No matter which way you do it, I mean, you're leaving some guy on an island against a wide receiver who can go up and get the ball, whether it's six foot seven Johnny Wilson, six foot four Keon Coleman, or six foot three Kentron uh, Poitier. So, I mean, all three of those guys are going to end up playing huge roles in that wide receiver room, no matter who's in the starting unit. But I do think Keon will be. There's a ton of talent out wide. You know, Norvell even brought up Winston Wright just unannounced today, just saying he's making those steps, be able to play this season. I know we talked, you guys talked about him a little bit earlier. You still have Darian Williamson who flashed last season. You know, we, we all think Deuce Span has a lot to unlock. There's a ton of talent out wide. Like I really cannot wait to see how it's all utilized. Like with those jumbo packages, like Dust was mentioned, where you just put four, six, three guys out there and said, Yeah, yeah. someone's gonna get it. Like it, it's gonna be insane at some point. And I don't think I don't think either of you have even mentioned Hikeem Williams yet, who had some flashes during the spring. We'll see if he's able to break into the lineup. But I mean, you know, he came into the spring a little bit out of shape now coming into fall camp, nine pounds lighter down from 215 to 206. We'll see if that benefits him. And then Vandravius Jacobs as well, the the star freshman uh, during the spring for Florida State. I mean, we haven't even mentioned those guys. So, I mean, from top to bottom, this room is absolutely <laughs> oh, insane. Yeah. And, I mean, outside of really the top of the top, you know, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Kentron, maybe Ja'Kai in there on the slot, but, you know, Winston might might give him a run for his money there it's tough to project what type of roles all these guys in the mix are going to be playing. Von Javis Jacobs is going to be playing this year. I don't think, I mean, they're going to try to red shirt him, but he, he looked great this spring. I mean, I, I don't think that should be any shocker for what he did in high school too, but Von Javis Jacobs, probably my sleeper that people need to be talking about a little bit more that could make an impact this upcoming season, which is crazy to think because of the talent that we were just talking about ahead of him on the depth chart that he's going to have to work through to get up there. But, you know, your, your starting unit is loaded. I mean, you will talk tight ends here too, but you add a jumbo package and you got Jaheim Bell too. You can throw around like, like what what are we doing? Not not even Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, who's six, six, (laughs) Six, like just throw it up to somebody. There's going to, there's going to be a Jarvis Brownlee out there somewhere. Who's only five, eight. Like, yeah. Tell me what, um, we'll get to our defensive back or our defensive preview next week, but you know, it's just iron sharpens iron for these guys in camp. You know, just going to get better and better and better. And that's kind of what Renardo green did last year. I thought during camp going against some of these guys and we saw what he, he was to do, what he was able to do against LSU and some good talent there that uh, the tigers bring, but yeah, it's iron sharpens iron for this wide receiver room versus the DB room. But there's just so much, talent around and you know we saw Hakeem Williams too I don't think we mentioned it in the notable weight changes earlier in the show but 
uh, he shaved off a significant amount of weight, which was really needed. He came you up. Listen to me talk. He came. He came beefed a little bit. He came like beefed the up. Third time this episode, <laughs> you've like said something that I just said. What else did I say that that you said earlier? We're not going back an hour. See, yeah, see, hour ago, I'm not. I don't. I've already forgot that. But it's worth mentioning again, though. He lost that weight. He needed to do that in order if he was yeah. going to play any kind of impact this camp because he was definitely slow and slacking a little bit. I wouldn't say slacking, but he was dealing with too much weight. Tallahassee food. You know, you know Dustin well, right? I mean, yeah, I told you I need to get on Jalen Early's diet plan. <laughs> but also in that wide receiver room, Goldie Lawrence, who recently got here um, for the summer semester, and we didn't mention Joshua Burrell. It looks like he's probably going to go back to wide receiver this season as kind of flipped between running back and wide receiver during his career, dealt with some injuries as well. But he went from 225 to 216, so shedding a couple pounds. Let's jump over to a tight end before we go to offensive line. We were talking about it earlier, but Jaheim Bell is going to be the star here. But Marquiston Douglas was a pivotal factor for Florida State's tight end room that we weren't really expecting. He was a nice surprise to Florida State and Bell's offense in 2022. He's going to play a big role this upcoming season. And then you brought in Kyle Morlock. There's some young guys, too, that are continuing to be developed. Uh, Brian Courtney went from tight end over to linebacker. Uh, so we'll be keeping a co- keep an eye on that during fall camp. But you've got also a youngster like a Jarrell Powers as well to Preston Daniel, who's been with Florida State for 16 years. So it's uh, this room has experience. It's got talent. There's a lot to like about it. A lot of excitement just because of really uh, your, your top three guys and the, the, the ability that they'll be able to bring Jaheim Bell. You know, you can use him all around the offense literally you can put him in the backfield you put him in a slot put him down the block but i think there's a reason why jaheim bell picked florida state he picked it to be in mike Norvell's offense to be utilized as a playmaker and get to the league a real swiss army knife for florida state who like you said can be used in a ton of different ways and i mean just looking at this tight end room from uh, the outside you know this is probably the strongest tight end unit as a whole that florida state has had in 10 years more. I mean, the way that they flipped this room compared to last year, because I don't know if you guys remember our fall camp preview last year. Well, I do. We we weren't very high on the tight ends. In fact, I'm pretty sure we ranked them as the lowest position on the entire roster. And I mean, that is completely flipped in uh, the span of a year. And I think we'll see the same thing, you know, for say they're not going to drop an official depth chart until that week one against LSU, probably that, that first Monday leading up to uh, game day. I think we'll see the same thing as last year where they list two tight end positions on the roster, one more of a blocker and then one more of a traditional receiving tight end. So Marquise and Douglas and Preston Daniel, I think are going to fill more of that blocker in line tight end role. And then you'll have guys like Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock fit more of the receiving role. And I think how those guys or how much playing time those guys get is going to depend on the team they play. Like it, the scheme may call for more, more counters and more run action. That's when you're going to see more of your Marquise and Douglas's and your Preston mm-hmm. Daniels. And when they want to spread it out, like they probably will against LSU, they're going to want to see those Jaheim Bells and Kyle Morlocks. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Norville uses this entire room. It's super talented. Um, like he said, it's the most talented we've seen it in a decade. 
but it's also what Norville wants to do. He wants to use his tight ends. That's what he was known for at Memphis and his time as an offensive coordinator. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he does. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to having a tight end, you know, and open space, put some moves on some guys, man. You need to go back and look at some of the film that Jaheim Bell has and what he was able to bring to South Carolina. And, you know, South Carolina didn't know really how to utilize him. They tried him put him back there at the backfield, and, you know, they just didn't understand how to utilize his talents. And Mike Norvell is just licking his chops and immediately made the call once that transfer portal, uh, you know, addition happened. You know, that decision was made from Bell and his camp that, hey, you know, let's get you over here for a visit. And I think he sealed the deal when that visit happened, um, at least from things that we were hearing and, you know, what he can be, what he could bring to this offense is could be lethal. Definitely in the red zone. I'm just thinking of multiple things. And, you know, we saw some things during camp and some of the practices and some stuff we can't yeah. talk about yet. Yeah. Yeah. Some stuff that we can uh, air here live, but uh, creativity. That's all I'll say. Creativity. And also really impressive is just he's an elite athlete for being someone who's, you know, 200 and, what, almost 35 pounds uh, routinely during those spring practices, just taking safeties and other defensive backs to town. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, out jumping them or being bigger than them, just making a move in the open field and leaving them in the dust and then getting a catch for a long gain. I mean, Jaheim Bell is an absolutely dynamic tight end and is what really pushes this room as a whole over the top if he's able to provide the impact that uh, we are expecting. And I, and I going back to what Austin said, you know, about Mike Norvell and how he utilizes tight ends. I really do feel like, you know, entering year four in Tallahassee, this is the first time that he's had a tight end room that fits what he wants to do and has all of these different players that can do different things and have different skill sets. This is what he was looking for when he got to FSU. He's going to have a lot of fun moving these four guys around and then we'll see, you know, if someone like uh, Jackson West or Jarrell Powers are able to work into the rotation. And I feel like it's also the first tight end room that he trusts, like at least for the first three guys, you know, Cam McDonald was fine for what he was. Jordan Wilson was a good run blocker, but for what Norvell wants to do, this is the first one that he actually trusts to run the scheme. Like he wants to run it. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun to watch that tight end room this upcoming season, even really in fall camp and what's, how they're going to try to use them. We saw Kyle Morlock be used quite a bit. And some of these practices can't like go in and say what routes they're running and such, but it was, you know, you think of Johnny Wilson has the height of being definitely a tight end and an absolute freak of a monster. But, you know, you add in Kyle Morlock too. Like how do you prepare for that on your second level of defense? Like, I mean, it just gets too aggravating after a while. And then if that gets aggravating for you, we got to worry about the run game, you know? So it, just starts pissing off defensive coordinators. Well, you know what blows my mind about Johnny Wilson uh, is that he's 237 pounds at six foot seven, and Kyle Morlock is six foot six at 239 pounds. I mean, there's not there's not much of a difference there. That just tells you what kind of freak athlete Johnny Wilson is for his size, size, and with the speed that he brings. It's crazy. Jordan Travis did call Johnny Wilson a cheat code. I meant, I meant to say that, but he called him a cheat code earlier in the press conference today. Yeah. That's the dude you edit on your NCAA roster and you you increase his height a little bit. He, he called him a Madden creative player, so same vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we see Johnny Wilson come into this camp, good shape, focused. You know, it kind of was a slower start for him in the spring. I think he was just still kind of strong, though. If, if, if he comes in... 
popping off. Uh, yeah, you know, you start talking. We're seeing some of these uh, NFL mock drafts and projections and stuff. But you're you're talking a second, third round potential. I mean, depends if he really pops off, pops off. Those physical attributes you, you grab in round one, but that could be a game changer for an offense nowadays with how heavy pass attack is in the NFL. But yeah, Johnny's freak of nature, and so and really excited to see what's going on in fall camp for him. Uh, offensive line to finish it off real quick. This will be the end of our fall camp offensive preview for the 2023 season. And Coach Atkins is back at it. This room uh, just has guys everywhere. Uh, a lot of guys uh, and some transfers too, but just going off some of the big names, Dimitri Emanuel getting his waiver. So that was big and massive before. So I really like Dimitri Emanuel. Dustin, we'd watch him during practices. I always pick time to go watch OL versus DL. And he was one of the only few that could really handle Fabo and Joshua Farmer on a consistent basis. And I mentioned him quite a bit in our discord and he ended up being a starter for Florida state last year. Uh, really good with his hands, has a good solid base, but really excited for Dimitri coming back this upcoming season. You brought in Casey Roddick, too, from Colorado. You all mentioned that earlier, too. Uh, just a guy that stepped up and has been a leader, and uh, you know he has a great work ethic. You've got Robert Scott, too, coming back from an injury. That's going to be one that we'll be monitoring just to see his availability. Dustin, uh, we'll see if we'll get some updates on that next week once camp begins. You've got also Darius Washington, who's your hybrid offensive lineman. You've got Marie Smith, who I'm continue to always stay high on. Uh, I think the whole undersized thing is done and flushed. Thank God we don't have to talk about that anymore. We don't need him to be gaining all this weight. He seems to hold his ground, and uh, he's going to be your starter at center going into this camp. Um, and then Jeremiah Byers, Keandre Jones, two transfers to uh, Jeremiah coming from UTEP, uh, being top taft. Top, top tackle in his conference, and then Keandre Jones from Auburn. Uh, big, I just think, big meaty boy. Big legs, big base. Uh, it's going to add some nice depth for Florida State and what they want to do in the guard position, see what they do, if he can make some junk. But then you got some youngsters. But, yeah, offensive line, you've got talent. The biggest thing to me, though, is experience, and that's what Alex Atkins wanted to have going into this 2023 year. You, you miss you miss one big key piece, and that's Bless Harris, who's mm-hmm. coming back from injury. Yeah. You can make an argument that there's eight guys, there's eight guys that deserve to start on this offensive line at five spots between, you know, Bless Harris, Casey Roddick, Mo Smith, Meech, Jeremiah Byers, Darius Washington, Keandre Jones, and Robert Scott. That's a that's a lot of talent. A lot of guys that a have starting experience and b could arguably deserve to start. And that's not even including Julian Armella, who's got all the talent in the world. It's insane the transformation this offensive line room has undergone the last two three seasons it gives you a true two deep for the first time in quite some time uh Florida State over 200 combined starts uh along the offensive line that just shows the amount of experience that's coming back real testament to what coach Atkins and his offensive line staff Cooper Williams and Gabe Fertitta have been building in Tallahassee. And like you said, Austin, you've got eight experienced guys who could all push to start. And then you've also got Julian, Ar- Julian Armella, who could feasibly play either the tackle spot. Seems like he's trending more towards the right side at this point. And Jalen Early as well, who's probably the next up to maybe make a push to get, in- get into the two deep and a backup spot somewhere. So, I mean, we'll see how this shakes out. 
but we remember last year, Florida State lost Bless Harris in the opening game of the season, had to rely on Jazden Turnatine moving around a ton. And at the same time, behind the scenes, you know, we're dealing with the Marie Smith injury. Darius Washington was banged up. Robert Scott was banged up. A lot of moving pieces along that offensive line last year. I think you've got to feel a lot more confident if one of your starting five goes down, which I'll tell you guys right now, my projected starting five, <clears throat> I've got Bless Harris at left tackle. I've got Casey Roddick at left guard, Marie Smith at center, obviously, Demetri Emanuel at right guard, and Jeremiah Byers at right tackle. So, I mean, at least in my scenario, you know, you're going to have a guy like Robert Scott be your swing tackle off the bench. You got, you got to feel really comfortable about that option. You're going to have a guy like Keandre Jones, someone who can fill in at guard, and then Darius Washington, who I projected coming off the bench as well, who can fill in at center, guard, or tackle. You've got to feel confident even in the event that you deal with some injury woes. I, I personally think Robert Scott will start just because of the experience and then Bless Harris will be the swing tackle. But there's so many different options that this offensive line can can have. There, there's so many different variations, so many different guys that can move around and start in different places. It's such a versatile unit. I've never seen an offensive line like it at Florida State. It's truly outstanding. And to I, we got to give a lot of credit to Dimitri Emanuel. You know, when he first came in, mm -hmm. nobody really batted an eye at him. And he played really, really solid last season to the point where he was one of the only, I think there was 12 offensive guards for the whole league on the All-ACC preseason bout this year, and he was one of them. You know, he, he made a big impact uh, on a lot of guys last season. Oh, super fun watching him in practice. He, he just – Kind of keeps to his own, but he was competing really well against some of Florida State's best defensive tackles. So, uh, you know, having him get that waiver there, you know, there was some question marks about it, but that was big. That was big. And, you know, this offensive line, we were talking about Jordan Travis earlier, they're going to have to protect him. And, you know, if Florida State's going to make a run here to go to a college football playoff, Jordan Travis has got to stay healthy. And that's going to be Coach Atkins' biggest job and goal this year is to make sure that they keep 13 healthy. Yep. And I mean, to that to that point, the battles on the left side of that offensive line are going to be important to watch in that regard. Bless Harris and Robert Scott obviously competing for that left tackle job. Bless Harris, to me, might have been Florida State's best lineman uh, during spring practice. Um, Robert Scott obviously out with that lower mm -hmm. body injury. So, I mean, we'll see what he looks like going into fall camp availability wise. But, I mean, that's going to be an important battle. I mean, Scott, if he's healthy, could feasibly win that job. But I do think Bless Harris is really trending in the right direction right now. And then going to left guard, you know, Dylan Gibbons moving on after two years at Florida State. Right now I've got Casey Roddick projected to replace him. But, you know, you've got Keandre Jones battling in there and also Darius Washington as well. So, I mean, we'll see how these things shake out. Um but either way, like I said, no matter which five guys Force has coming out there, they're going to have three guys waiting in the wings who are experienced and talented in their own right who can fill in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think Bless might have better athleticism than Robert Scott. Robert Scott also put on some pounds, too. And that, to me, is a little concerning. I, you know, I know he was hindering some injuries last year, but things were really slow sometimes tough to get up in games and I just don't know if he was fully 100% because of the injury but I'm not a huge fan of the weight gain there and I think Bless Harris has better hips he's able to go against Jared Verse better we saw that in last year's fall camp and we were really excited about seeing him out there against LSU and ended up happening so 
um, yeah, I think blessed for right now. And we're still waiting to, you know, Robert Scott's still going through a recovery process. So uh, we'll have to evaluate that once we get into camp next week. Anything else on the offensive line or offense as a whole, gentlemen, before we wrap it up? Nothing like a good hour and a half podcast. Just want to profess my my love for Marie Smith and continue to tout that he's probably the most underrated starting player on the offense. I've been saying that for, what, two years now? So you get to join me. We've been saying it for a while. You know what's crazy is I was uh, I was writing this fall camp preview. I, I did the offensive line. We actually published it on the website today, and I was doing some digging on Marie Smith. And the first game that he ever started at Florida State in 2019 – uh, when they played at Boston College, was the same day that Jordan Travis made his Florida State debut and, uh, you know, lit up Boston College on the ground and ended up leading FSU to a 38-31 victory. So, you know, thinking back to almost four years ago to where those guys are now entering the 2023 season, I mean, man, has this place come full circle or what? I had to have a lot of patience. A lot of patience. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, a lot of patience on this show. Also for an administration, you know, you got to give some credit to for Alfred and what he's done and making sure that the football program is very well taken care of. He's definitely taking care of the other ones and other sports across Florida State, but you could definitely tell things needed to be solidified where this Florida State football program needed to be at the top of the focus at the university. And as a, as an athletic director, uh, as a program at Florida State, you've got – that's just how it's got to be, you know. And we've had discussions about that. We've had it for multiple years. And, you know, Florida State was having some trouble there. The AD situation, Alfred has come in and made sure things are set in the way that it should be in Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State also undergoing an IPF or a full-on football-only facility, too, that's being built. Dustin, you'll have to give us uh, weekly updates on what's going on there, if there's any kind of dirt being dug up, if we're seeing any kind of cement being filled down, any kind of foundation, or if you're not going to have any parking. God. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to give us an update on that. But I don't think they start the actual construction until September based on uh, – forget whatever it was i looked through they got they got to tear some shit down they got to tear up that parking lot give us anything all we care about is that football only facility i think it was the board of trustees agreement or like right now they're in kind of the preparation phase so they're getting everything ready for the construction that's going to begin taking place in september so we'll see how things go I, i think as of now the parking lot is still open logan so We'll see if it remains open. We'll see. Uh, before we jump off of here, we've got almost like 150 still hanging with us on YouTube alone. If y'all would hit that like button, it would mean a ton. That means it will jump out to a whole lot more FSU fans, and they'll be joining us in the comments as we'll be going through and doing a live every Wednesday throughout this whole entire fall camp. We're hoping, too, that maybe we'll have some interviews. We'll see before the season begins. You never know, but we've made our request for some of the players and even coaches, too, to come on and give us a rundown during camp. So we'll see if that happens. But nonetheless, hit that like button before you jump out of here. It's deeply appreciated a ton by us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out and hanging out with us. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Um just letting you guys know, we're going to have full coverage of Charles Lester's commitment, which will be happening on Friday. So 
Like I said, if you're new to our YouTube, subscribe and hit that bell notification because we are going to try to go live while we're there. So we're going to try to give you guys a full live commitment uh, live stream for you guys. So make sure you guys are connected with us on YouTube. Uh, and this podcast is uh, always available on your podcast platforms that you like. So appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We'll be previewing the defense next week. And then on Thursday, Florida State hits the field for the first time to begin their 2023 campaign. Everybody have a great rest of y'all's week, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. Mama told me, uh, not to sell work. Mama said the